0: Oh, good morning, Westview. Good morning. I'm Wayne Hopson, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be with you in the finale of our series, Broken Vessels, a series all about how God takes the pieces of our lives and puts them back together for his own special use. Today's sermon is titled, Jephthah, a Trilogy of Trauma. And can I be honest with you? This is the hardest sermon I've ever had to preach. I love doing inspirational messages and messages about how the power of God flows through us. But sometimes... God uses our disasters. And when we look back at this series with the people we've talked about in the previous weeks, it becomes clear that God has a plan that is so much greater than our lives. He can take whatever comes in us and through us and use it for his purpose. Now, when we look at this series, we talked about those heroes from Hebrews chapter 11. But the focus has come from the book of Judges. So I invite you this morning to turn with me to Judges chapter 11. We're going to be examining parts of that entire chapter for the most part. And with this sermon being on a difficult subject, it's no more fitting than for us to pray before we enter into it. Let's pray. So Father, we give you this message. I give you myself. And we as your people open our hearts and our minds and our ears to what you have to say, the difficulty of trauma. It's not easy to talk about and not easy to deal with, but it is a necessity. And so this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit will lend me his wisdom and his power and his strength. And do the same for each and every person joining us, whether on Facebook Live or here in our worship center. Now, Lord, we give this message into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32, what you'll see is a list of names from a chapter which is often called the Hall of Heroes. And in verse 32, we've been dealing with, in this series, Gideon. In our first week, our second week, after Brian, Pastor Brian preached on Gideon, Pastor Dylan then preached on Barack and timidity. So when we look at Gideon having fear, Barack having timidity. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about Samson and anger. Today, when we come to Jephthah, we deal with trauma. When we think about trauma, we may not realize that it's happened to us. When we even think about what trauma is, and when we look back on this series talking about what Israel went through, we find it was traumatic. Because Israel had been in bitter wars with their surrounding nations. With Gideon, it was the Midianites. With Barak it was the general Sisera, with Samson, the Philistines. And today we'll see that Jephthah deals with the Ammonites. And when we look at what trauma is and how it happens, it can be so sudden, you don't even know you've been struck by it. That's what happened with Israel. That's what happened with Jephthah. And I wonder if that's maybe what happened with some of us. There are different kinds of trauma, trauma to the body and to different body parts. But today I want to look at with you psychological trauma, because that can happen collectively to a nation like Israel or individually like Jephthah, and perhaps even like some of us. So when we talk about psychological trauma, How can we define it? We can define it this way. Psychological trauma is any event that causes damage to your mind due to overwhelming stress that exceeds your ability to cope with the long-term emotional effects. That's a mouthful, isn't it? What it's basically saying for us, though, is that trauma does sometimes irreparable damage to our lives because we were unprepared for it. It came out of nowhere and did things to us that we may not even realize, as we'll see in the case of Jephthah. Because Israel had already been in bitter battles with so many enemies and they kept looking for a leader. And each time as we brought these messages to you, you may have noticed something about them all. They all in some way experienced trauma. Gideon because he was a small man and took to hiding because of fear for his life for God gives him victory. With Barak his timidity doesn't allow him to go into battle without Deborah. And though the victory is given over The credit doesn't go to him. And then there's Samson with anger with the Philistines at the loss of his wife. And he goes seeking revenge over and over. The trauma he experienced led him down a path of loss. Loss of his Nazarite vows. Loss of his hair. Loss of his eyes. And yes, even loss of his life. Yet he's still listed among these heroes. And then we get to Jephthah. And let's see what happens with him. Because one of the things that becomes clear is that the longer you experience trauma and the more you experience it, it does something. It leaves an imprint. And a thought I want to leave with you is this, that trauma that happens repeatedly becomes traumatization. Traumatization can be described as being something we are experiencing or reliving as a trauma over and over again. Traumatization is experiencing or reliving that trauma over and over again. Let's see what happens with Jephthah. And as we review his story and his life, I want you to count the number of times that you see trauma occur. Starting with Judges chapter 11 verse 1. Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor and he was the illegitimate son of of Gilead Gilead's wife bore him sons and when his wife's sons grew up they drove Jephthah out and said to him you will not inherit in our father's house for you are the son of another woman then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Outlaws joined up with Jephthah and they went out with him. Did you note the trauma there? Because first he's disowned and disinherited. He lost pretty much everything that he was entitled to due to something that was not even his own fault. I wonder how many of us can identify with that. That's the beginning of trauma. Not being recognized by his family and then notice what the verse said. It said his brothers drove him out. They forced him out of his rightful share, not only of his inheritance, but even his namesake. Because to inherit your father's name was also back then to inherit of his wealth. And so Jephthah runs off to the land of Tob, and look at the decision he makes. He takes up with a band of bad guys. Talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, it sounds like a clean Eastwood movie, doesn't it? Yeah. And so now this band becomes a powerful group known for their fighting skills. And look what happens when we go further down into that chapter. Starting at verse 4. After a while, the children of Ammon made war against Israel. When the children of Ammon made war against Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah out of the land of Tob. They said to Jephthah, Come and be our chief that we may fight against or with the children of Ammon. Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and drive me out of my father's house? Why have you come to me now when you are in distress? The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, Therefore we have turned again to you now, that you may go with us and fight with the children of Ammon. Hmm. You see the trauma there. The people who turned their very backs on you and dismissed you and even disgraced you now come back to ask for a favor. How disingenuous can you be? In the midst of everything that Jephthah's already experienced with loss and having now to take up with a band of bad guys, he's called upon to return back to the land he was thrown out of to save them. Where is the shame? Not on Jephthah, but on these elders, because They dismissed him. I wonder how many of us in life have been betrayed or had someone turn their backs on you and then they come back to you. They have the unmitigated gall to show up at your door and ask for your help when they would have left you high and dry. But Jephthah decides that he is going to do the right thing. Let's see what happens. Starting at verse 30 again now, picking up there. Jephthah vowed with a vow to Yahweh, the Lord, and said, if you will indeed deliver The children of Ammon into my hand, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, it shall be Yahweh's. And I will offer it up for burnt offering. Another trauma that Jephthah didn't even see coming. Because his mouth wrote a check that his body couldn't cash. He made a decision and made a statement behind it, not knowing the repercussions. I wonder how many of us can identify with that. And it all starts with trauma. It all starts because he was disowned and dismayed. Here's the sad reality as we go back to our story. So Jephthah passed over to the children of Ammon to fight against them. And Yahweh, the Lord, delivered them into his hand and he struck them from 20 cities and with a very great slaughter. Trauma right there again. Slaughter of war. So the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. And when Jephthah came home to Mizpah. There was his daughter hurrying out to meet him, dancing to the rhythm of tambourines. She was his only child. When he saw her, he ripped his clothes and said, Oh, no, my daughter, you have completely ruined me. You have brought me disaster. I made an oath to the Lord and cannot break it. Yet another trauma. When we think about what Jephthah had said, I will offer up anything that I see that comes out of my house. The one thing that he did not anticipate, did not expect, happened. One thing we know about life, expect the unexpected. Because that's where Jephthah is now. His daughter comes out, she's happy in, thrilled that her father won the war, saved her people. And he now has to fulfill his oath. Not because the Lord necessarily wanted him to, because the Lord didn't accept that kind of sacrifice. And we are not sure exactly what the sacrifice meant because some scholars say that he did offer up his daughter as a burnt offering. Other scholars say that no, he caused her to remain a virgin and unmarried all of her life. But either way, the trauma that he went through became traumatization because what was done to him ends up spilling on to his daughter. Does that sound familiar to any of us? Yeah. Because trauma not only affects you, it affects those around you. And make no mistake about it. Trauma trauma either breaks us or it shapes us. Trauma either breaks us or shapes us. Because when it happens those around us feel the tremors from it. So Israel had trauma. And now Jephthah had trauma. And now Jephthah adds to his own trauma through his daughter. And the end of this story talks about in the very last verse of chapter 11 that the women of Israel would gather every year for four days to commemorate Jephthah's daughter. So now an entire nation is engulfed in one person's trauma. And they live it out over and over again and that becomes traumatization. I kind of know what that feels like. I experienced a bit of that just recently. You see, there is a story that is now being retold on the channel ABC. It started several weeks ago and it airs Tuesday nights. It's six episodes long. It is a docudrama called Women of the movement. And it is all about the story of a 14-year-old boy named Emmett Till. You may or may not remember the name or the story. But I guarantee you it is traumatic. And it is heartbreaking because Emmett was from Chicago, but his mother, Mamie Till Mobley, sent him in 1955 from Chicago to Mississippi to spend the summer with relatives. That would be his last year of life. He was wrongfully accused of making an indecent, we'll say, proposal to a woman who happened to be of the opposite color. And it got back, the story got back to her husband. And so, later, after this incident supposedly happened, the husband and another relative dragged Emmett out of his relative's house and took him and murdered him brutally after torturing him. And then to hide Emmett's body, they weighted him down and tied him up with barbed wire and put him in a local lake, hoping nobody would ever find out what happened but someone did. And when Mamie Till heard the news about her son, that was trauma. But it turned into traumatization because she found out that the local authorities there had tried to cover up Emmett's murder. Now, we can show you a couple of pictures of Emmett But the one picture we can't show you and the one I would never want you to see is what he looked like in his coffin. Because Mamie took it upon herself with the other women in her family to make sure the story got told. And so they did an open casket funeral. I cannot tell you what his remains looked like in that casket, but I can tell you that the traumatization, not only of Mamie Till Mobley and her family, but of people of color all over this nation, felt. Much like the traumatization Israel went through after Jephthah's daughter. Different stories, same result. Because trauma after trauma after trauma becomes traumatization. And I share that story with you because it relates directly to what Israel went through. And it even relates to sometimes what we see today in our nation. But I share that with you so that you'll know that sometimes when people become angry and take to the streets, sometimes it's just because they see unresolved trauma and they know that no one has heard about it. So even to this day certain events that have happened in recent months and years bring some of us back to Emmett Till because the men who murdered him never served a day in jail. They were actually acquitted and so there's never been actual justice for a 14-year-old boy's murder. All because of the one thing he could not help, just like Jephthah. We cannot help who we're born to and what we're born into. And with trauma, it can take effect over either your family or your friends. But that's wide scale trauma. What about personal trauma? What about you? Have you been through something that has either been so horrific or exacerbating that you can't even think about it anymore. That you've cried so many tears over it and you've relived that moment or those moments over and over again that you're numb. Maybe your trauma is similar to mine as a child when I was abused by my stepfather (coughs) and watched my stepfather abuse my mother Maybe that's not your trauma. Maybe yours is the loss of a loved one. And maybe each time that day when they passed away comes back. Or each time a holiday comes and you wish they were there, that's traumatization. Maybe it was the loss of a job or a home. Loss of security. And you feel insecure not knowing what's going to happen next. That's traumatization. But there's good news. Because you're sitting here right now that means God brought you through it. Can I hear an amen? amen? Trauma doesn't have to be the end of your story because God takes the broken pieces of our lives, just like when Pastor Brian broke that pottery the first Sunday in this sermon series, and it broke into a number of pieces. Our lives are just like that. Our lives can be broken into little pieces. But God collects each and every one of those pieces. And he takes it in his hands. And like a master craftsman that he is, he forms it and reforms it and shapes it and reshapes it so that a new thing comes out of something old. One of the most comforting scriptures I've ever read reminds me of that. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2. And here's what the Lord says. Not only about his people Israel, but about you and I. And even about what we've been through in life. He says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and leap for joy like calves from the stall. And that S-U-N the way it's spelled there. In many Bibles and probably even in your Bible that S is capitalized. Because many of us have come to realize that the S-U-N actually represents the S-O-N. Jesus knew a lot about traumatization. He went through it and bore it on his back physically. And that's why we're sitting here today. Because of what he did then and how it heals us now. Because God... Gives us triumph over our trauma. God, through His own Son, bore all of our trauma. No matter what we've been through, Jesus has seen it and He has been through it. Why? So that He could share that experience with you and then heal you from it. And that healing may not come overnight. No, no. It doesn't work that way. It won't be that fast. That healing will be like a journey. But it's a journey that Jesus takes with us. And I can promise you this, that all the trauma that Jesus faced on our behalf is worth it because he will give us a new glorious body which is unlike anything we've ever imagined. And all of that trauma will be washed away and wiped away. Because Jesus is that son of righteousness with healing in his wings and his arms. And all that he went through was so that for you and I, all that he bore was so that by his stripes we are Say it again. By his stripes, we are healed. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this time and for this moment. We thank you because we know all that we have faced, you have prepared us to face. All that we have experienced, you have already seen it. Nothing is hidden from your eyes. And now as we prepare to go into offering, we pray, Father, that as we give, that we would feel you giving back to us. We pray, Father, that as we offer up our times and offerings, that it would go beyond that, that we would also offer up our traumatization and leave it at your feet. We know that weeping endures for at night, but there is joy in the morning. And so we look to the sun of the morning and all of his healing and righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite our prayer team to come up because I felt that it was fitting for us to pray together and for you to have someone to pray with if you've experienced trauma. And if you have had things in your life that you know have left an imprint on you, we want you to be able to come up and pray and know that you are loved and know that Jesus already has felt your pain. At this time, we will open up the floor for those who want to come up for prayer as our prayer team awaits you.